Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. You know, when I first saw your um, mess, uh, your message, I said to myself, well, I'm not a scientist. Why is mm-hmm. he inviting me? But again, I really thought of who is a scientist, actually. Do you have mm-hmm. to reach a, a certain level to be called a scientist? I said, no. I think it's just anyone who does science using the scientific methods should be called a yes. scientist. So, of course, yeah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Nakeri. And you are in a space where we let scientists be vulnerable as they can to talk about the highs and lows of them being where they are. And today I have Dan, who will tell us more about himself. So kindly introduce yourself. My name is Dan Khan, and I'm a Gambian national. The Gambia is actually a small country. For those who do not know, it's, a, it's actually the smallest country on mainland Africa, situated yeah. in West Africa. So it's a small strip of land um, embedded within another country, Senegal. I am currently a PhD student, and I'm also working at the Medical Research Council Unit, the Gambia, which is a, a UK institute found in the Gambia. And my PhD is registered with the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. The work I do is uh, mainly on the molecular detection of uh, bacterial pathogens um, such as streptococcus pneumonia, Neisseria uh, meningitis, and hemophilus influenza. And I have been working in this institute for, for, for the past five years now. For my PhD, I started it in 2020, late 2020. So I'm in my second year now. So my, my PhD is basically focused on a, a respiratory pathogen called streptococcus pneumonia. So it has two aspects. So I can say it's two different fields within the scientific fields, but everything is geared towards understanding the carriage of streptococcus pneumonia. So for starters, um, for those who do not know what carriage is, is so most of the bacteria that causes diseases such as, um, pneumonia, respiratory diseases, as well as uh, meningitis diseases are actually carried at the back of our nose as commensal. So they do not cause any disease when they are carried at the back of our nose. But with time, due to some disturbances in the environment at the back of our noses, they can then um, go ahead to other organs in the body to cause disease. So what I'm trying to understand is how two factors affect this carriage of streptococcus pneumonia. And the two factors are first, air pollution, and then the second, the bacterial microbiome. And number one, why am I interested in, in air pollution? Mm. Come to think of it, the air that we breathe in first comes into contact with this bacteria at the back of our noses. So the composition of the air um, will likely 
determine which bacteria survive or which bacteria are eliminated from the back of our noses. So I'll be looking at different air pollutants and see how they impact the carriage of Streptococcus pneumonia. So that is like 50% of the PhD part of the world. So the odd part is looking at how the bacterial microbiome affects the carriage of Streptococcus pneumonia. So the bacterial microbiome is um, the total number of bacteria living within the back of our noses. Because they share the same environment with Streptococcus pneumonia, so they have an impact on it. Because sometimes these bacteria um, release toxins uh, which affect um, Streptococcus pneumonia. They also share resources. So they definitely have an impact on whether Streptococcus pneumonia survives or gets eliminated from from the back of our noses. So in, in a summary, this is what I'm working on. It's a lot of work, but we are moving slowly, and surely we'll get there. How will your work um, help the community at large? That's a, that's a good question. Um, so the the study that we are doing right now, the study that I'm working on, which is the the PhD, um, it's actually done in in rural Gambia. So we are collecting samples from from children five to fifteen years old in rural Gambia. So most of these kids have been vaccinated. So the streptococcus pneumonia, which is the pathogen that I'm working on, has actually an effective vaccine, which is routinely given um, to, to kids. But um, due to the introduction of this vaccine, we have seen that diseases caused by streptococcus pneumonia has, has really gone down, has reduced. Um, but we there is still residual disease. So there is still the, the bacteria is still persistent in causing it, although the rate has decreased significantly. Now we want mm-hmm. to come up with alternative strategies to see how we can how we can um, further reduce this or to eliminate the, the pathogen if possible. So this is why I'm trying to understand how the air pollution, which has not been looked at in the past, and the bacterial mm-hmm. microbiome, how it impacts the persistent carriage of this um, pneumococcus. So by the end of the study, we will get an idea of um, how to reduce sources of air pollution um, and also how we can make use of the interaction between streptococcus pneumonia and other bacteria in the, in the back of our to come up with alternative strategies to help um, protect us from this deadly pathogen. Okay, great. So tell us how you got here. Tell us your journey from yes. how did it start? Yes, so um, when I completed my secondary school in the Gambia, I did my schooling in the Gambia. I was among the uh, the students that got scholarship from the then president of the Gambia. Uh, after every um, class twelve, which is the final class in secondary school, the government sponsors some students, the top students, to study abroad. So. During our year, we, we were selected to study a uh, course of our choice in, in, in India. So mm-hmm. I decided to uh, pursue a BSc degree in um, biotechnology, so I, which I did for... Yes, that's a, good, that's a good question, why I studied biology. And to be honest with you, that wasn't my intent. When I was going to school, I didn't want to study... I was only focused on studying engineering, electrical engineering. Mm. Well, when I when I um, went to 
when I was applying for for the scholarship, I was told that we there was no electrical engineering course, mm. but there is biotechnology. I didn't know what biotechnology was at mm. at, um, at that point in time, so I had to do my own research. You know, <laughs> for us in the Gambia, um, all that we wanted, uh, all that um, school going children in the Gambia want is following the completion of our senior school. We go abroad mm. to study. So mm. it was all of a... But in the Gambia, we only had one university. Um, mm. at, yes, at that point in time, the University of the Gambia. And then the only best course that was that was offered was medicine. And then... Well, um, so I didn't want to do medicine at that point in time. So I just wanted to do engineering or um, abroad. So mm. when I was told that the engineer, the electrical engineer course was not um, was not okay. available, mm. was not offered. So I said, okay, let me just see what biotechnology has to offer. So I did my research on biotechnology, and then when I went there, yeah, I decided yeah, to study biotechnology because I love what it had to to offer. So mm. I did biotechnology. Uh, for four years, and I got uh, I was one of the top students um, uh, nice. at the end of of the, of the of the course. So then I came back to the Gambia. I when I came back to the Gambia, you know, you had to work for the government for some time because you 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 have to sign a bond mm-hmm. that um, once you complete your course, you come back to the Gambia and then you work in 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 health institute or in hospitals in in the in your the Gambia. Mm-hmm. So, this is an interesting bit. When I came back, I worked in uh, one of the hospital labs, but the working conditions was not favorable to me. So, I spent like two weeks working in the lab. Then I um, I had to uh, organize a meeting with the HR of the hospital mm-hmm. and then told them I can no longer work here because of the, right. the conditions were not favorable. Um, firstly, there were very limited resources. You know, as a scientist working in the lab, you want to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. You want to have yes, good working conditions. Protect yourself, as in you need proper PPE. Yeah, you need to be properly introduced to the work. You need to know what you are doing, the standard mm-hmm. operating procedures you you have to follow. This is all important for a scientist. Mm-hmm. This was not available. Then because I was um I didn't have any direction as to what to do, who to report to. So the structure, the organizational structure was not there. And um this is not what you what what I this is not what I wanted. So I decided, you know, let me just um uh, organize a meeting with the HR and tell them that I, I can't work here and see what they have to say. So this when I when I went there, they said, "Okay, it's it's your choice. We cannot force you to work." So when I when I did that, I had a friend who told me of um, this institute that I'm currently working on, which is a UK institute, but it's based in the Gambia. Mm. He told me they have um, actually a very good structure, and then they work with infectious diseases and uh, molecular biology. And I loved molecular biology because it was one of my courses that I did. Uh, from PSC, so I decided to to apply for an internship here at the Medical Research Council, and then following the internship, I was given. So this is how I started working. 
Wait, if you studied in Gambia, for example, and you got to that situation in the hospital, the work environment issue, do you think you would have had an issue compared to you coming from India and being introduced to that environment? Yes, I think because um, when um, those who studied in the Gambia didn't have the issue because they didn't have experience working in other labs. Mm. So for me, the reason why I found it challenging is because where I was working, that's not how things were. When I was in India, yeah. I was working in some labs. And that's not how things were. So when you come, it's sort of a, a downgrade. So it was yeah. difficult for you to... But those who studied in the Gambia, because this is all that they know, so it was easier for them to, um, to, to you know, to just go with the flow. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, uh, so this is you finished your um, biotechnology degree. You've come back home. Now you in you've tried this hospital thing. It's not working. Now you're in the the London. How is it called? It's, the, it's a very long name. <laughs> it's the <laughs> Medical Research Council Unit, in the Gambia, at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. How did you get into that institution? Yeah, so it was actually easy when my friend told me. Then I had to um, come to the institute to get a, an internship form, which I applied. So when I applied for it, after a couple of months or less than two months, they called me for an interview. It was a very short interview. I met with a um, scientist from Zimbabwe. Um, she wanted to hire me for an internship. So we had a discussion of about five minutes. I told her what I wanted, and then she told me that I can come the next day. Um, yeah, so that's how it started. So I did my internships for six months. Mm -hmm. Then the, uh, it was, this was in, in okay. 2016. Was it paid? Um, you are only given transport allowance. You are not paid. You, yeah, you are not a staff, but you are given transport allowance for the duration of the internship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So after six months. So after six months, um, the the institute advertised a job, which um, actually I was working in my internship for. So I, I had an advantage to mm -hmm. other applicants mm -hmm. because I was I knew the project. Mm -hmm. I was already working on the project. So we were three in number, so I, I got selected for the job. And how did you transition to getting a PhD? I actually have, uh, from 2017 to 2020, mm -hmm. within these three to four years, I uh, I gained a lot of experience mm -hmm. working. So, and then I, I, during this period also, I've been trying to apply for master scholarships, but mm -hmm. it wasn't successful. Then I had this opportunity. I just applied for a PhD directly, which my mm -hmm. supervisor helped me with. So I had to apply. So I have a lot of experience working in the lab, working uh, with other scientists, conducting mm -hmm. trainings and the like, and publications, which uh, maybe we can um, discuss about later. Mm -hmm. So I then said to myself, well, why not I just directly apply for, for a PhD? So which my supervisor, my my line manager um, supported. Then we did the applications together and then, and then so I started the why, PhD. Why is it best for PhD? So some of the work um, will be done no, here. the in university. The, the university Sorry. is in the UK. Okay. 
the oh, university so some, in the UK. Okay, so some of the work will be done in the Gambia? Yes. And we intend to do some of the work in the US. And I also have my PhD advice in the so I will have to meet her at some point. Oh, great. All right. Um, so this is interesting. So you were looking for a master's, then you got this opportunity to do a PhD. How is it, you know, in your current setup? How is it like this guy did a, a BSc, then directly goes to do a PhD? How is it like? Is it something you were thinking about? Yeah, but again, I think things have the structure, um, the structure from BSc, MSc to PhD has changed a bit over the past yeah. years, especially for the UK. In like mm-hmm. now in most UK universities, you don't require a yeah, master's to I, do a PhD. Yeah, I understand but, that, but yeah. but uh, I want to understand in your context, uh, context like, mm-hmm. uh, is it something you had known or you were thinking about, like you could just directly do a PhD? Not in not in my first two years of working. Because mm-hmm. all that I was thinking about is masters. I never yeah. look out for PhD applications. But then again, I said I really I have worked for three years and I've I just still have a BSc, which I didn't uh, I didn't really get because I wanted mm-hmm. to to move on with my career. But I was saying, ah, but I'm getting old now. How comes? Mm-hmm. It's I've been worked for three years with no additional degree. I said, mm-hmm. you know what? Let me just um, try and apply for a PhD. Just so that I can uh, been, um, finish it as soon as possible, because you know, as a scientist, we are not only scientists; we also want to have family. So mm-hmm. it's it's a bit difficult once you you start a uh, family to study. So you will yeah. want to you will want to um, finish your studies as soon as possible, and then go ahead and set up a family. Although you can do both anyway. It depends okay. on the individual, and yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, before we talk about the papers, uh, can mm-hmm. we go to the laws that you've experienced through your journey? Yeah. Um, I, the first one I think will be when I went to India. Mm-hmm. The culture shock. So when I went to India, I can remember the first time I attended a class. I mean, I think it was a forty-five minute or one-hour class. So the lecture was a uh, lecturer was talking, giving her lectures. But again, like throughout the class, I said I, I couldn't understand even a single sentence of what she was saying because of oh, her because accent. Of the accent. Oh. Yes, it was totally different. Mm. So at the end of the class, I you know just. Um, held uh, my hand on my head and said, "Why did I come to this place?" Mm. It's like I said, I I I kind of regretted it, but I didn't I didn't know that this is how it was going to turn out. So it it was a very difficult moment for me, especially the first few weeks, because I was really finding it difficult to to understand what the lecturers were saying. So all that I was depending on reading on my own, watching lectures of um, Indian. So mm. this was my first law, mm. uh, the culture shock, because I anyway, and this is something that scientists can experience throughout their their careers, because mm. as you know, as scientists we collaborate, so you can meet scientists from other backgrounds, other cultures, 
um, if you are not prepared to exp- um, for such experience, you might find it um, yeah. mm. So this was the first. Mm. So the second low that I experienced was when I when I um, came back to the Gambia and started as an intern mm. uh, in the, in the MRC where I work right now. So uh, when I just started, I felt this um, imposter syndrome. This was not, and this was partly due to the people that I that I work with. So um, they really didn't help. So you know, it's very. I mean, as a, as a mentor, you know, as a mentor, or a line manager, there is, needs to be a specific set of skills that you need to have to work on your to work with your mentee. Um, otherwise, as I, because I, I just came in, I was not offered a job, so I was nervous. I wanted to be offered a job at the end of my 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 intern, so mm-hmm. I didn't want to make any mistakes. So, mm-hmm. if your mentor or your line manager doesn't help in that regard, you might feel that you do not belong, especially if you are asked a question and you don't know. But mm-hmm. it's it, it's terrible. Um, if you are not strong mentally, it can have impact on your mental health. And then you'll be thinking of what if I finish this internship, will they give me a job or not? So this can uh, this was a this um, impacted me when I when I just came in. I lacked um, self confidence because I was just thinking of what are they going to give me a job when I'm done? So uh, this really was another low for me. Um, until I became a staff, that's when I really started, you know, having that confidence in me, started to achieve things. Wow. I love that yeah. you're talking about that because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's actually very common. It's just that we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but yeah. it's very common and I can relate to that. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. And even so, right now I'm mentoring one student. I can see. Uh, myself in her actually this is mm. i mean but i always try to you know motivate her mm. tell her, um try to tell her to be open to discuss her ideas that i'm not here to judge her but mm. she is it's the same thing that i felt that she is feeling right now will will they give me a job but i always try to tell her that this is the way you are feeling is the same way i felt so you shouldn't be worried about it, you know mm. i think that's how that uh, man, mentors or line managers try to yeah. motivate the ones you're you know. yeah. As a PhD student or as a research degree student, you always want to get feedback on your work. Mm. So sometimes the supervisors that we are working on are very busy people. So you send, you do your work and then you send it to them. You s- s- wait on it for forever to get a feedback. I mean, this is this is also another low that I myself and I'm sure that not only me but other people, others yeah. experience, especially in Af- in African universities. We have yeah. professors who are so mo- so busy that you find it difficult for. Sometimes you find it difficult to meet with them. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes for me, I don't have that problem. My supervisor is very open. I can always go to his office without even an appointment. But someone, when you send in. Uh, like a work for him to 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 review. Sometimes it's it's difficult to get. 
So this is also another challenge that I that I am experiencing or that I have experienced as uh, as a scientist. Do you think that they are overwhelmed with work? Like there's not so many people in the level yes. of the work they are doing. Yes, I. For me, my supervisor he's very supportive, but mm. he has a lot of work to do. That's why it's, sometimes it's difficult for him to, you know, to give you a feed, written feedback. Whenever I meet him, he can we can discuss. But whenever he goes to his office, like he has some other mm. uh, work to do, so he wouldn't get back to me with the written feedback. Um, yeah, I think they are overwhelmed with work because we have very limited scientists who are African scientists who Which are is. exactly who are at the top there. So because of that, so they have a lot of obligations, a lot of lot of um lot of tasks to do. So mm. they usually don't have time for for their juniors. So that's an issue. With most African scientists studying in Africa or with African supervisors. Mm. Yeah. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Is there another law? Um, I think those are the most important that I wanted to discuss. So. Okay. Um, you well, it's already to... 30 minutes. <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot. But yeah, we, anyways, so we have, you want us to discuss the highs, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, the 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 uh, my line manager is actually the head of a WHO collaborative center in Africa. So WHO they have different collaborative centers all over the world. So for for vaccine preventable diseases, my line manager is one of the is head in one of the collaborative centers in the Gambia. So. We actually work with eleven West African countries. Mm-hmm. So we we offer training, uh, we offer workshops, and uh, I have been very active in in organizing these workshops and also in meeting with other laboratory scientists in West Africa. So this mm-hmm. is actually a high for me because science works on collaboration. So yeah. I I find it very um, um, I f- I always uh, find it very very good to collaborate with other African scientists so that we can um, share our ideas, know the type of work that that they do, and the type of work that we do, so that we can exchange ideas and move what we are doing forward. So where I I can remember I, in twenty eighteen I was I attended one workshop in the in in the US where I was trained, come back to train other African scientists, which I, okay. I find um, very um, very good. So this is one of the one of the highs. And then I also through another program sponsored by Welcome Trust. Welcome Trust. Um, I teach in one of the courses mm-hmm. in molecular microbiology. And uh, this course is usually attended by by scientists or PhD students, master students from different African universities. So I get the time to network with other with other scientists. 
So this collaboration and network with other African scientists, is, it's what I love the most on, uh, on my job. And then the second thing is, um, so my, my, one of my mentors, she used to say that, uh, for us scientists, our currency is in the number of publications we have and then the number of grants that we win. So my first publication was in 2018. So this is a manuscript that I have worked on for almost two years. I started it in 2017. And the reason why I actually was given the opportunity to work on this manuscript is because the, sci- the, the scientist who was working on the manuscript um, left the, the team that, uh, that I currently work on. So I was given the opportunity to, mm. to work on this manuscript. So it's, it was a two year hard work, you know, came to fruition at the, at, at the end of 2018. So this was one of my, my hard working, working in, in, in the scientific field. So the publication was actually looking at the impact of using um, pneumococcal vaccine on meningitis cases in, in Niger. Um, yeah. So uh, I collaborated with other scientists from, from Niger um, mm-hmm. to come up with this manuscript. And it was my first, first other manuscript. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the in 2019 also I attended uh, a conference in Dakar. Actually, I have attended many conferences, but this conference uh, which I attended in, in Dakar in Senegal here yeah, um, stands out. And the reason why is because I was able to formulate my my PhD topic based on what I learned on this um, workshop. So sometimes we attend workshops, uh, we go to workshops, we come back with knowledge, and we go and come back. But when I went to this workshop, I was really, I learned a lot, and then I was able to frame my PhD research based on what I learned from this workshop. So it is um, also one of the highs of my career. The workshop was organized by the University College um, London, but it was done in Senegal. So I was given the privilege. I attended the conference. I I actually presented a poster. Mm. Uh, got feedback. Poster. Then I decided you know, to to frame my PhD. Whenever I, I'm not um, into science or doing science or working, I usually spend my time with my with my family. Mm. Uh, yes. I I am married. Uh, I have one kid. Oh, yes, four months old kid. <laughs> but oh, I since he was time. born, yeah, I I just spend my time my time with him and my my wife. But um, if I got married, most of the time with um, I spend it on sport activities. Either I be playing football or watching football, basketball. So most of the thing I do is sports, and then sometimes also I engage myself in, in reading um, history. I, I also love history. Uh, as I'm speaking to you right now, in fact, what I'm 
my screensaver is the the pyramids of Giza in Egypt. Yeah. So oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of the places that I want to want to visit. So I love history um, mm. and sports. That's what I do apart from science. I think I've um, discussed all that I wanted to discuss. The only thing now is to just to thank you um, for inviting me for this podcast. Um, it's I really appreciate it, and I um, I think this is a good thing. And this is my the second podcast that I have that I have uh, attended. Yeah, the first one was about a couple of months ago on uh, in- indoor air pollution and how it impacts health. I think this is an opportunity for me as a scientist to express my ideas. You know, I I actually jumped to this opportunity because I, for me personally, I find it difficult to to talk in public, which should not be. Because as a scientist, you should be able to communicate your ideas. So this is an opportunity for me to develop my interpersonal skills, my communication skills. So I really thank you for having me. Mm, thanks for coming in. I'm just wondering, yeah. how do you feel after these conversations? Um, I feel um, good and I feel that I have actually achieved something. I think went very well. <laughs> mm. um, so I feel good, in short. Thank you for listening. You can now support this production through www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist.